Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. It's Pharrell on the bench in the biggest way possible, hanging out. The bad seed, the broken day, the bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad, under bad taste, bad lie, bad do, bad breath, bad attention, bad vibes. We are live in the Pharrell place right across the river and through the woods from where Granny just got a new Aussie of some fat cushy kush right before she had dinner in New York City. Ooh, the Big Apple. People dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion check it up. Should do it. All my friends that come around, flats, flats, party. Rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess. It's time to tatter. My brain splattered all over my hand. Should do it. Should do We got a lot going on. Jerry Palm will join us uh, in just a few minutes. Right out of the gates, we're going to talk to Jerry about uh, college football. I got a lot to talk to him about, primarily. Uh, I guess, in not so many words, a bunch of uh, problems in terms of uh, programs shutting down uh, today, tonight, whatever, right? North Carolina was one of them. Uh, I I saw some others. It's crazy uh, how many uh, problems are breaking out in terms of the COVID all over the place, right? It's like unavoidable. Northwestern's game with Wisconsin at Wrigley Field canceled. Um, there's talk of, you know, Jim Harbaugh getting an extension in Ann Arbor. I'm like, what for all those losses to Ohio state? (laughs) What are you going to give him some more money? (laughs) The guy's already making seven and a half million dollars a year, losing to Ohio state every year. Let's give him an extension. I told you mafia, there's no way they're firing that guy because there's no one better to coach Michigan than Harbaugh. He wins every game that doesn't matter. If you haven't noticed, Ohio State stops their on-campus workouts. What more do you need to know than there's problems? Ivy League has shut down all fall sports. Coming up in a little bit, Jerry Palm is Pharrell on a bench. Go with us tonight. The number's right in front of your facial. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. 
So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, for on a bench, uh, 844-843-6879 is the number. Jerry Palm is with CBS Sports Network and CBSSports.com. He's been on the bench forever uh, as a regular contributor and friend of the show, even though he went to Purdue. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, let's bring him in. How you doing, Jerry? Hope you're well. I'm all right. How are you, Scotty? I'm all right, bro. Hey, listen, so um, I, I know you don't probably uh care to hear about it like uh but but gene katie was a part of it and you know where i'm going right the the did you see the video like this week the big 10 network put out and and uh, indiana university put out about when bob knight had the return to assembly hall finally after 30 years of being basically in quarantine from the school because after they fired him he just he refused to go back they invited him 20 times but he never wanted oh, to yeah. go back to bloomington once problem. ever <laughs> You knew about it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, well, I remember when it happened, and uh, yeah, Gene was there because it was uh, right. it was a Purdue game, wasn't it? Wasn't it IU Purdue? I don't. I don't remember. Game? Yeah, I don't remember the game. I just remember. Uh, so, like, I remember when it happened, and, and like, you know, ESPN or whatever covered it and showed him walking out on the floor sure. and and waving, and then and then they tried to you know, cheese out and put like Dick Vitale in the middle of it where he like joked around with him and like Bob Knight was having none of it. You remember that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, so what happened was, is that here's the story. The story is better than that. So the story is, is that all the footage that ESPN showed was bunk. It was just terrible. Really? So, so what, well, I mean, they only showed two angles. They showed him waving to everyone right. that he was a really old man and that, uh, and then they showed him crying and then they showed Dick Vitale trying to like rib him. And Bob Knight was like, don't touch me. Remember you, you remember it. And then, so, but the big yeah, 10 network. Yeah. So, so it was really uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable because, you know, Bob Knight obviously has a, a history of, you know, people, have accused him of of choking players and everything else and 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 you know you know the contact with players and you know hitting right. players whatever they've accused him of everything so here's the deal that was the last thing that they should have been showing was him having some kind of arm wrestling match or whatever the hell it was with Dick Vitale now I'm I know Dick and I'm friends with him I've known him forever uh going way 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 back but I didn't like the way they covered it and so when I saw it when it happened I was uh frankly turned off by it. I was like, this is not, this is not good. Like, what are they showing that for? Like, who cares what Dick Vitale has to do with Bob Knight, which is absolutely nothing. So anyway, the other day, the other day, the Big Ten Network came out with a video for 15 minutes of the entire thing. And what they did was they had Randy Whitman, Quinn Buckner, Mike Woodson, and uh, Isaiah Thomas on a four box around the initial uh, they had a they had a shot, a, a main screen shot of the entire event. 
as it unfurled, as Knight came out onto the floor, all the way from the bowels of the assembly hall, they showed him walking out one mile an hour, really old man, and they showed him coming out with with Isaiah Thomas leading him out onto the floor, and and they introduced every single player that ever played for him that was alive. They introduced every single, from the 80 team, the 81, 87, all the teams that had won national championships, 76, 81, and and 87. They were all there, literally like 95% of them were there. And they introduced every player. It was really beautiful. And they brought him out. And then uh, during this entire time, the four of them talked about what it meant to them, what he meant to them, and what he did for them in their life and as a coach and as a man. And it was unbelievable. And then um, they showed him out on the court, crying, yelling defense, trying to get everybody all fired up. And obviously, as I was, and I don't even want to be right, they left they left uh, Dick Vitale out of it. He had nothing to do with that day. And then they showed like Mark Cuban and his, and then some other people from ESPN that went to Indiana that were at the game and all the rest. But the reality of it was, is that they showed a human side of him with all these players where they were all crying and hugging him and how much he meant to them, black, white, it didn't matter who they were. He loved all of them. And listen, Gene Cady was there and Gene Cady and him for 30 years were at war with one another. They hated each other's guts because Bob Knight hated Purdue and Purdue hated him just as much. But, but Gene Cady was there because Gene Cady knew how much, Bob Knight meant to Indiana basketball in the state of Indiana, as much as Gene Cady meant to Purdue, as much as uh, Digger Phelps meant to South Bend and Notre Dame. Those three coaches are the greatest things that ever happened to the state of Indiana in basketball. Would you agree to that? Yeah, I think the, and actually I know, I mean, Gene and Bob became friends, you know, after the, their competitive part of their career was over. Um, right. and, and they were, they actually went to the Pacers game that night. They were honored at the Pacers game together that night after the, IU came, uh, but yeah, those, well, Canadian night, that was the best theater in college basketball for the 25 years that that went on. There, right. there was not, whatever rivalry you want to pick, the best theater in college basketball was Purdue and Indiana, Knight and Katie coaching. It, it was unbelievable every time out. I mean, it was, you're right. And there's nothing else to say uh, after you just said that. So I'm just going to leave it at that. That That is perfectly said. Well, well put. So here's what I have to say. I watched this thing on the front step of my house. I was watering like the yard. I had the sprinkler going and I'm watching this. And I mean to tell you, Jerry, I broke out. I was crying. Like I literally started crying because, and I don't cry. I'm not a crier. Uh, I'm not a emotional, like, you know, mafia will tell you, I'm not a crier. I don't get emotional, but when it comes to Bob Knight, um, I do based on, uh, you, you've heard me say this to you before, Jerry, I loved him. Uh, he's been on, he's been on my show for 35 years. He's come on. He's always been good to me. Uh, if he knows you and likes you, he's the best friend you could ever have. If he doesn't like you, you should move. And so here's the deal. Like when I saw it, it meant so much to me because I honestly, I'm just going to say this. He changed my life. And a lot of who I am today, I think, comes from being around him for five years every single day. Um, The discipline, uh, the hard work ethic, uh, you know, uh, being responsible, being on time, never being late, uh, going to class, uh, being a man, being a good husband, being honest, being a father, uh, you know, doing the right thing. You understand, like, you know, Jerry, you know, Gene Katie and Bob Knight sold that stuff. That's what they did. Like 98% of his kids graduated. You can't even argue with the fact that he made men out of, from boys to men. That's what he did. He was like George Patton. You can't even argue it. 
you know, it's funny because obviously Katie had a lot of the same standards, you know, like be on time, do the right thing, you know, just, you know, be, be a person, you know, be a, be a man, be, you know, take care of your business. And that's, that's all you ever asked of guys. And, it, and it's funny because you mentioned a lot of those same things that I heard Painter on a podcast the other day say, you know what, Gene used to say all this stuff and we tell our guys that still, you know, I mean, it's been handed down, uh, it, you know, and I'm sure anybody who ever coached under Bob, it's the same principles because they work, not just for basketball, but for life, you know, and that's, that's right. you know, really what these guys are trying to do. And that's, you know, so their methods, you know, you can, you can nitpick some of their methods if you want, but you know, the basic principles that they're trying to get across are basic principles that, you know, that, that gets you through life, not just basketball. In fact, right. gets you through life is more important than get you through basketball. I have to say that, uh, like, so it, it like, uh, at the time, right. When I was a young kid, I was, uh, 18 to 23 years old. Right. So imagine how much of a pain in the ass I was. So I literally was just completely irresponsible and immature. And I had a big mouth and I thought I was really smart and I thought I had all the answers and, I got on the air down in Bloomington and I, I had a really good gig. I mean, I worked uh, in uh, a real radio station, not a college station. I got paid. I was earning really good money for a college kid at the time. I think I was yanking like 30 grand a year uh, doing morning and afternoon drive doing and, and spinning overnight DJing and from midnight to six. I never I literally worked 60 hours a week. And I think all of the things that and I'm going to talk more to uh, Jerry coming out of the break about uh, everything going on in college football right now. We're going to get to all that. I just want to say this lastly, is that all the things that uh, I was exposed to uh, by him of the, the responsibilities and the uh, owning your uh, your you know actions and being a, and being a man and being, uh, you know, mature and doing the right thing and all the things that we discussed earlier, all those things were embedded in me. And I mean, this guy screamed and yelled and cussed at people and he was scared. I mean, I was scared to death of him. Everyone was like, he would light you up for no reason whatsoever. Like if you even had the stones to ask a question of the guy in a, in a press conference, you were about to get dressed down. I mean, he would humiliate people. It didn't matter if it was a woman, a man, a boy, a girl. It didn't matter if you were young or old. If you were a veteran reporter or a, or a newbie, 18 years old, he would do you. And uh, I watched all those things and being around it uh, changed my life forever. We'll come back with Jerry Palm. We got a lot to talk about on the bench. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, for on the bench, uh, we're talking to Jerry Palm of CBS. So I, you know, that's the, the end game is is that uh, he literally. Um, 
uh, you know, I've never been around anyone more fascinating. It, I'll be honest with you, in my entire life, than Bob Knight and even Gene Cady. I mean, just being around them. And I'm, I became good friends with um, Digger Phelps over the years. Digger, uh, I don't know if Mafia remembers, but he used to do my show like all the time. Like, Jerry, you do it all the time. You and I have been friends for a long time. I mean, I'm friends with all these guys and I look up to all of them. I mean, immensely. And I have to tell you when uh, this is the last thing I'll say about Bob Knight. I don't want to ruin the whole night with it. But uh, Bob Knight, when he goes, when he passes, right, when he dies, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be um, he meant so much to me. Uh, and the, and I saw it in Isaiah Thomas, Mike Woodson, Quinn Buckner, and Randy Whitman. And I know the exact same thing goes for 90% of the guys that played for him. I understand there's a 10% gap of people that hate him, that played for him, and that couldn't stand him, and accused him, Delray Brooks and Neil Reed. All these guys hate him. I get it. Fair enough. But when you coach for 30, 40 years, Jerry... Is there not a few apples in the in the bushel that don't like you? I mean, you got to be kidding me. I guarantee you Matt Pater's already got 15, 20 guys that can't stand him. Uh, probably so. Yeah, probably so. It's uh, it's the nature of the beast. And like you said, when you're around, you know, when you're around people for a long time, <laughs> you're not going to please everybody. There's, that's for sure. Right. So let me ask you, uh, Jerry. Uh, I know Jerry just uh, – it's like having an enema. <laughs> sitting here talking about Bob Knight for him for a half an hour. This is like going okay, going for no, a colonoscopy. Yeah, but no, it, it's uh, no, I'm cold for a colonoscopy. Um, the, <laughs> I'm one of the guy. I'm one of the guys that you can talk to about this because I'm a Purdue guy. I was I was in that arena. I know Gene right. really well um, from not from when I was on campus, but afterwards involved with the alumni groups and stuff. So it's. Right. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an interesting, you know, dynamic, but those two guys and how many other people do you have on this show? You can talk to about that. No one. I mean, no one, you're the, you're the biggest uh, Purdue source I've ever had. And I hate you for that. Uh, but I love you as a person. <laughs> I just hate you for, uh, Purdue. Anyway. So let me ask you, uh, first of all, uh, I'm troubled by your opinion of the uh, because I heard Mafia say that you uh, said don't read too much into the Ivy League. You know, frankly, Jerry, right. the last time the Ivy League made a move like this, the beginning of the conference basketball week, uh, the rest of the NCAA followed accordingly. Uh, they made their call and everyone else followed. Right. So tell me why you believe right. that uh, them canceling their entire fall season. There's no football. That's all that matters. I am uh, one to believe that it does matter and i think that you're gonna see with all the problems they're having in college football right now there's a lot of them there's a lot of problems you cannot tell me with any confidence they're gonna play college football i can't tell you for sure they're going to play this fall but they have to play college football sometime and the difference this time first of all the pandemic was brand new to us back then so right. we didn't know anything but also the Ivy League loses money playing football. So them giving up football, it's a cost savings. A major colleges, if they give up football this year after not having a basketball tournament, major college sports, as we know, it are pretty much over because the, the financial devastation to college athletics at that level, I, I don't know how they overcome it. They need the revenue from college football, even if it's just television revenue. You know, even right. if you can't get, you know, 100,000 people in the stands, you can only get 10. 
you know, whatever. They need to play college football to maintain the structure that they have. Otherwise, high-level Division One athletics won't have the money to play, you know, Division Three level athletics. I mean, you know, I don't know what you do. The, the money's gone to pay all of these coaches and to build all of this stuff that they built up. You know, that, that's a very thin bubble. And so the Ivy League could afford not to play football because they save money. Big colleges have to play football to get money. Well, I think that obviously, I think you're right. I think that, uh, look, if they don't, if they don't play football, which I think they will play, I'm feeling that they're going to play in the spring. Let's say they uh, don't play. Uh, You know what's going to happen? It's real simple. What happened at Stanford today is going to happen in 80 to 90 percent of the major division one schools. They're going to cancel every other sport because they're going broke. Yeah, well, and you're already seeing it. it. Stanford was the first major school to announce cuts that I'm aware of. Uh, you've seen it at, in places like Akron, Bowling Green, um, you know, places like that have, have been canceling sports uh, and lower levels too. Uh, but Stanford was the first major. They canceled 11 sports and they still have 25 left. I, so I thought, well, I went and I looked at Purdue. Purdue sponsors 16 varsity sports. Now that's a low number for a high major, relatively speaking. Right. But Stanford had 36 and they cut 11, and they're still at 25. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's a shocking number, but they started from a really high number to begin with. But, yeah, it's, you know, that, there's no way that happens if we have an NCAA basketball tournament and college football is on track. There, there's no way that that happens. Right. And you might – you're right. I mean, if they can't play college football one way or another, then you're going to see a lot of that. You know, it, it, you're all of these schools – will be revisiting how they run college athletics or even if they run college athletics, if they don't have the money to run it. What did you think when you heard USC wasn't going to let kids on campus? And when the governor of South Carolina said, you're not playing football in my state. Well, there goes uh, the Gamecocks and the Clemson Tigers. Uh, What did you think when you heard those things? Well, I just heard about South Carolina when it came out of your mouth. Um, But it's, you know, that kind of thing is – it's been going on. The, the first one I remember was Cal State University saying we're, we're not having students on campus in the fall. And Stanford was at one point – I don't know if they still are – kicking around the idea of not having a fall quarter at all, not even online, just postponing <laughs> it till winter. So if you deem – you know, this is the difference between colleges and pros. The pros don't have to worry about this. Colleges, if you deem that your campus is not safe for students to be on campus, how can right. you say your athletes can be on campus, right? Yeah. So if, when Cal State University's system, the whole system says, we're not going to have kids on campus in the fall, that, you know, among the high you know majors, that's San Diego State, San Jose State, Fresno State are part of that system. That's three Mountain West teams that mm-hmm. may not be able to play football this year if they don't have students on campus. So you know, that's something that's definitely, you know, all of this is in flux and a lot can happen in the next couple of months. You know, it would really help if, if you know, we've got all this state by state, you know, every state has got their own rules. And, you know, unfortunately, SEC country hasn't really been taking it seriously. And I'm painting with a broad brush, brush here, and I don't necessarily mean to, but, you know, it's, you know, that's where some of these spikes are happening now. 
that could, you know, jeopardize fall college football anyway. But eventually, they're going to have to play college football. If it's the fall, if it's the spring. Uh, I saw something just today, actually tonight, where the Big Ten is kicking around the idea of playing just conference games and starting, um, you know, it'll be 10 conference games each and still starting at the same time. But, you know, everybody's got like flex days, you know, in case, you know, a team can't play, you can make it up another week, stuff like that. Um, but it's all very fluid. The Pac-12, I know, has talked about also playing just conference games. Right. So, you know, there's less money in that, but it, there's not no money in that, you know, and that's, that's, you know, for these athletic departments, you know, if they're going to fund the, their lifestyle, they need college football. Yeah. When I heard the Texas state fair, they're canceling that. So, and then I read about oh, all of a sudden now the red river shootouts in trouble. Like when they start canceling well, all these big games, man, it is the, it is the end all for this, at least in the fall. I, I have about 90 seconds, uh, Jerry, okay. respectfully. Can, can you tell me when you, uh, you see all these schools having COVID tests that are in workouts and training and the massive numbers uh, just every day escalating, uh, does that not uh, like make it a negative vibe for you? Well, yes, I guess. I mean, Clemson had big numbers to begin with. Uh, Ohio State just suspended their voluntary workouts. Uh, maybe, you know, eight to 10 schools have done that. I don't even know if it's that high a number. Uh, and then I think when IU showed up for voluntary workouts, they didn't have any cases. So it varies um, and widely from from place to place but you know that it's inevitable that there's going to be positive cases that that it's just not realistic to think that all of these college kids you know are, are going to be clean that that's that's not realistic so they're going to have to find a way to manage that and protect the players that aren't positive from the ones that are and it, it, like i said there's this is all still being developed and the pro sports are having trouble with this so you can imagine that the colleges are, are going to struggle to do this well as, as also. Right. Uh, 30 seconds, Jerry. Um, uh, Harbaugh get an extension up in Ann Arbor. Must be for all those big games he's uh, coached so well against Ohio State. You know, he's won a lot of games. He just hasn't beaten the, the team that matters the most. Uh, That's right. And until he recruits better, he's not going to. Because Ohio State has still got the best talent in the league. I got to tell you, that guy deserves a pay raise. Uh, like, I mean, honest, I'd rather see someone get hit by a garbage truck than that guy getting any more money. He gets paid seven and a half million. He can't beat the team that he's supposed to beat. He beats everyone that doesn't matter. Jerry, great stuff tonight. Always good having you on the bench, brother. We'll get you back on real soon. Let's hope college football happens. Thanks for coming on the bench. All right, anytime, Scotty. All right, there he is, uh, Jerry Palm of CBS Sports Network and CBSSports.com. We'll continue on. Mafia's with me. Uh, on the bench tonight, we got a lot to talk about tonight, so don't go anywhere. So for on the bench, I know Orlando ended up winning that game against Inter Miami in the MLS uh, is back tournament uh, kickoff game, if you will, tonight. 
And Miami had the lead one nothing in that game. I don't know. All I know is in the last 20 minutes, they blew it. And uh, I'm pretty sure that unless I'm, I'm mistaken, I'm pretty sure Orlando won the game two to one. So what happened is uh, in this game, I don't know if you saw this, a couple things happened. One, they all the players uh, did a kneel and raised fist uh, game before the thing started. So they all one by one in in concert lifted their uh, fists up. They all had uh, basically uh, black gloves on for Black Lives Matter. They all had Black Lives Matter uh, T-shirts on. They all knelt. So there was a very, very big political statement at the beginning of the tournament tonight. And then the other thing that happened in that game was is that a player got hurt in the game, Reyes, for uh, Miami. And I don't know anything about the guy. I, I don't know anything about any of these teams. I don't watch MLS, okay? This is the first time I've really ever watched it. and. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I really, I thought the product was terrible. I mean, I watched it. I, I've watched better college soccer games. I, I'm being as honest as possible when I say this. I, I, and I've definitely watched better chick uh, soccer. Uh, that would be women's soccer. Like, you know, when I watched that USA women's team uh, shred everyone around the world and win World Cups, it's so much better. It's on a. It's like up here at the highest level at a mountaintop compared to this MLS. I mean, I watched this game tonight. It was like it literally. It was embarrassing. I was like, I had it on, and I'm sitting there watching it, going, "What is this?" It it was like watching. I don't even know, like a pickup soccer league out in the some high school field. That's what it was like. That's what it looked like to me, right? I guess the problem is, Mafia, that I watch, uh, you know, Premier League and I watch Bundesliga and La Liga and and uh, Serie A, whatever. And that's, I guess, spoiled me. Right. So when I turn on the MLS, it is just trash compared to that. I mean, really, I mean, noticeably different. It is uh, it, it's almost like I'm watching seriously like college uh, soccer or something. I mean, I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm just saying I watched it and there was nothing to it. There was absolutely, I felt like, and I'm sure that, you know, I know Mavia, you don't watch tons of soccer, like Carver High watches tons of soccer, right? So I'm sure that he would agree that, that it's like, you know what it is? I hate to be rude, but it's like the CFL when he says it's like a beer league or a hack league. I know guys in Canada don't like hearing that, but that's what he says. He'll say that's a hack league. You know, that they don't matter. And then what I watched tonight, what I saw tonight, that game, those two teams. Now, one of the problems is that they're both horrible. So uh, I don't believe Miami has ever won a game. So when their season started, you understand? They played like three games, lost all three of them, and then the season ended. And right. then now they're playing their first game. And then Orlando has literally played 60 games. They've won 11 times. They're like the worst team in the league. So these two teams are awful to begin with. They are the bottom of the barrel, bottom feeders. They're as bad as it gets. They're the, they're the worst two teams in the league. So I was watching uh, literally the two worst teams with nothing but hacks. And when I was watching them play, I was like, where did they find these guys? I mean, like I was watching it, it looked, <laughs> it 
looked like some guy from my barber shop playing or something. <laughs> That's how bad it was. I'm just being honest. Now, then yeah. things got really interesting. When uh, Go ahead, Mavi. That shows you the difference between, you know, leagues that are legit and leagues that just don't get it. I mean, baseball, as much as we've been bagging on baseball for the way these negotiations have gone, what are they opening it with? Yankees, Nats, Cole Scherzer, like two of the best teams in the, the you know, two of the best pitchers in the game. What people want to watch is what they're giving you. And they open up with two of the worst teams in all of soccer history for the MLS's back to them. Like, why isn't Seattle Sounders or you know, NYCFC that has a big, you know, reputation or, you know, the, the Red Bulls or one of these other teams that are good or that actually have fans. One of the teams are highlighting and said so these two teams that no one cares about. I agree with you. So they had them. Uh, they had, you're right. They had the two worst teams kick off their tournament. Bad decision. Don Garber. Is that his name? I think the commissioner, Don Garber. Anyway, here's the deal. So I'm watching the game, and some guy, uh, Reyes for Miami, got like punched in the throat inadvertently. It was not an intentional. Uh, the guy wasn't trying from Orlando to hurt him, uh, but he hit him in the Adam's apple. And I mean, literally, this guy was on the field and he couldn't breathe. He was completely like freaking out as I was watching it. I'm going, what is happening here? I looked at it like, cause I was watching a game and I'm, I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, God, does this suck? It's so awful. I go, what is happening here? I've had more fun playing ping pong. Uh, and I'm sitting there watching and literally I've had, I've gone to better old, like 90 year old Florida shuffleboard games where I've seen old men playing bocce ball. I have literally, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. And I'm sitting there watching it. And all of a sudden I see this guy on the field. Like he looked like he was uh, fighting for air. Like he couldn't breathe. Right. And so one thing leads to another. And uh, it, it, what really got interesting was, is that the, like the EMTs never came out on the field. So the guy was like, dying <laughs> and all the players were screaming they were screaming for help right they were they were like yelling at the at the ambulance people like what are you doing get out here the guy can't breathe he was he was like he couldn't breathe the guy could not breathe and he because the, the announcer's going you know if you get hit in the Adam's apple it really does affect your windpipe <laughs> I was like what is going on? This announcer. He's like, I don't know if you've ever been hitting the Adam's apple before, but it will stop you dead in your tracks. We're broadcasting live tonight. A big delay in this one as the players on the field dying. <laughs> and then the other guy's like, you know, I got to tell you, uh, this, this delay from these EMTs, uh, what is happening here? I, the guy's been laying there for over five minutes. He hasn't breathe once in five minutes and they're uh, they're sitting in the end zone i saw them and then i'm not even making this stuff up mafia so all of a sudden i'm watching and then i now you've got my interest not the game's just terrible but this this thing playing out in front of me with the guy <laughs> the guy dying it was awesome i was like what's happening here and then all of a sudden i'm watching it and i they show the <laughs> they show these guys like Pulling the thing out of the ambulance. They're like, these two dudes are blowing bull hits in the ambulance. And they're like, well, hold on, bro. 
And the dude's like, hold on, dude, we'll be right out there. And then there's players like screaming. They're like, get out of here, hurry up. He, he can't breathe. He's dying. And these dudes, they got some fat guy and another dude. And they're like, I swear to God, they rolled out this gurney and they were going one mile an hour. Like nothing was, I mean, literally like there was no problem. They're like going one mile an hour toward the middle of the field where this guy was laying on his back and he's choking to death. You can see it. You're like watching him die and he hasn't breathed. And like, <laughs> this guy hasn't breathed in five minutes. And all of a sudden these dudes, and then it, they were so slow. I'm not even kidding you Two like two players ran over and like, just said, get out of the way. And they grabbed the gurney and these two players ran with the gurney to the player. And these two fat asses were walking out there and their other colleagues, whatever you want to call them, coworkers, there must've been four of them there, emergency people or emergency personnel. And they had like four of them and they were all just walking. Like they were, I mean, literally it was like a bad movie. I was watching them. They're like, if they went any slower, they would have been on morphine. I mean, they were literally treating this like it wasn't even an issue. Like it was like some guy sprained his ankle. They didn't get out there at all. And then things got really interesting, Mafia. The announcer like called him out on it. He's like, I don't know who he is. I I've never watched an MLS game in my life. The guy said, you know, Jesus, do you think it took him long enough? <laughs> I go, this guy's got brain damage. He hasn't breathed in five minutes. And these two, these four or five people, there, there wasn't just two. It was like four or five of them, right? And, and he was like, holy shack, could they have gotten out there any slower, their response time? They're like, the guy was like, the guy could have brain damage because he's he hasn't he hasn't been breathing. I'm not even making this story up. Like I watched the whole thing happen, right? And I'm just sitting there going, what kind of backward ass <laughs> league am I watching? What is happening here? Some guy is on the field dying and they did nothing about it. I mean, this guy said he sat out there on his back and all these players were like rubbing his chest. And they were like, they didn't know what to do. Like none of them were giving him CPR. They were just like, they were like comforting him and talking to him like, we're still winning one to nothing. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right. Just hold on. The guys are coming. They're smoking a bowl right now. They promised when they're done, they're going to, they're only going to eat a couple of pears each. And one guy's a plum guy. He's going to have a plum. The other one's just strictly pears. They're going to smoke a bowl. Then they're going to eat their fruit. Then they're going to call their moms and tell them that they'll be home after the game. So that'll only take like three minutes each. They should be out here within 10, 12 minutes. So if you could just hold your breath, you know, while you're dying and everything and you swallowed your Adam's apple, if you could just lay there and die slower, you know, if you could just, we're hoping that you only have brain damage, at, you know, if we can get a hold of Fatso and his colleague, you know, fat ass. And I was just sitting there. I couldn't even believe what I was watching. I, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, what in God's name is happening in this MLS is back just disastrous. Now I am sure they're going to sell you that it was the greatest thing ever, right? They always do, right? You know how they like spin television ratings. It was just the greatest thing ever. Why the NHL hasn't had ratings like this since last year. They're up 
122%. Same thing. The MLS people are going to rant and rave tomorrow how great their tournament kicked off with just a fantastic 2-1 to Orlando comeback win over Inter Miami. Oh, and by the way, uh, one of the players uh, almost died of uh, you know oxygen depravity when he was punched in the Adam's apple and left for dead by the... <laughs> By the emergency personnel. And no, this is no reflection on uh, the EMTs or I don't know who's in charge. I don't know who's the security and the, and the emergency and the EMS. And I don't know who the ambulance people are and all the rest. I don't know who they hire. I don't know who's doing it at Disney World. I don't know if it's some Orlando group or if it's an MLS group. But I am here to tell you that if anyone watched that game tonight, they saw what I saw. And it was bad. It was really bad. It was embarrassing. It was like embarrassing. That guy, God only knows what happened to him. They t- they finally got him in the ambulance and drove him out of there. <laughs> they, I heard from my sources right now, Mayor. They stopped at Pizza Hut first before. <laughs> All right, for on the bench, Mafia, tell me how uh, Masvidal will lose 20 pounds um, by Saturday. It's uh, literally four in the morning in Abu Dhabi or something like that right now. So it's already Thursday. So he's got, uh, don't they weigh him Friday? They weigh him Friday. So how's he going to lose 20 pounds, 10 pounds in two days each? Like, how, how does that happen? Yeah, and not only did he have to make this weight cut on short notice, you know, he has to do it without his head coach. He had to do it where the first 48 hours he was in Abu Dhabi, he had to be stuck in his room, isolated until he got the test back for whether or not he had COVID. So he has a lot of things against him on how to possibly lose his weight. I don't know how he's going to do it, but if he does do it, you know, that worries me just as much because if you're cutting that much weight in that little bit of time with all these things against you, what kind of shape is your body going to be in after that weight cut? Yeah, you're going to have some time to get fluids in, to eat and rehydrate and things like that, but... That worries me, the beating he's putting down on his body in these five to six days to drop these weight. I mean, honestly, though, uh, like originally it was 25 pounds. So he got there, I think, Tuesday, and now he's been there a full 24 hours. He got there Tuesday night. And then and and so he's lost five pounds in uh in a day right so now it'll be thursday in a couple hours in the morning it'll be in two hours it'll be six in the morning the sun will be up in abu dhabi and he'll have another 24 hours to lose 20 pounds how in god's name does anyone do that other than uh dangerously i have no idea how someone can do that and then mavia said it the toll it takes on the body now do I think he's a great fighter? Yeah. Do I think he's a ruthless, dirty fighter? Yeah, I do. Do I think that he can uh, fight anyone, anywhere? Yeah. Uh, we saw him fighting in the backyards in Miami. That's how he came up. So I'm not going to put anything past this guy. He'll be, believe me, he'll fight Saturday night. He'll lose weight. I just don't know how he's going to do it. 